Broadcasting from the Hip Hop Weekly Studios, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Civic Cipher, where our mission is to foster allyship, empathy, and understanding. I am your host, Ramses Ja. He is Ramses Ja. My name is Q, but Ramses' voice is awesome, dude. <laughs> I just needed to point that out. Well, it's velvety smooth. <laughs> well, uh, the feeling is mutual. Happy to share the stage with you, uh, Q Ward. Um, and happy to share some time with you, our listener. We appreciate this investment of your time. We have a lot for you to stick around for, so please do. We are going to be discussing a recently released video. Um, from a California woman who lost her life at the hands of police. Uh, it's been circulating online, so you may have seen it. If not, we will explain everything to you. But the long and the short of the story is that the woman called the police so that she could get some support to get a man out of her house. She uh, got a knife from the kitchen, I believe, to like protect herself and her daughter from what she thought was an abusive man. And then the police showed up and then they killed her in front of her daughter and so um, we're gonna talk about that because whenever black women die um you know it's a story but we are going to do our best to bring the human element to it so please stick around for that we're also going to be spending some time talking about a letter that we received from a longtime listener of the show philip c shout out to philip c he's a person that keeps us on our toes um and he pointed out what he believed to be some holes in our conversation last week about empathy and human nature. And, you know, we use the monopoly example uh, to help illustrate some, some points. And so we're going to be speaking to some of those holes that he pointed out for us. Uh, but first and foremost, like we always do at this time, let's discuss some ebony excellence. Shall we? We shall. Uh, Q, why don't you knock this one out? Ebony excellence this week brought to us by actively black. There is greatness in our DNA. Uh, this is from blackbusiness.com. Sarah Bond. Sarah Bond, a former corporate vice president of Xbox, is now president of the brand, making history for Microsoft and the gaming industry. The graduate of Yale and Harvard Business School also held senior roles at T-Mobile. Xbox, a division of Microsoft, generates about $16 billion every year in annual revenue, and Sarah has been pivotal in helping the company become and remain successful. In her former role as VP, she led the Xbox division dedicated to building and commercializing products and services for game creators and partners. She worked with thousands of developers, partners to bring games, players on console, PC, mobile, and the cloud, and was instrumental in directing strategy, policy, mergers, and acquisitions and integration. Wow. In her new role as president of Xbox, Sarah will be in charge of all software and hardware platforms, which will include the redesigned diskless, excuse me, which will include the redesigned diskless Xbox Series X to be released in 2024 and a next-gen hybrid Xbox console in 2028. Nice. She will also oversee player and creator experiences, platform engineering, strategy, business planning, data and analytics, and business development. Sarah currently sits on the board of counselors at the USC School of Cinematic Arts and the board of directors at the Entertainment Software Association. Zuara, the leading subscription management platform, and CHEGG, a leading student-first connected learning platform. To say that she's thriving in a space that wasn't built for her would be an understatement. Yeah, let's let's hope them uh, people that came after Miss Gay don't come after her. 
Let's hope. Fingers crossed. All right. So um, as mentioned, we are going to spend some time talking about the story from ABC News. Um, let me just get right into it. We'll start. So I'm going to tell you a story that starts at the the end and, and goes backwards. Just thought of that Nas song, Rewind. It's a bit of story backwards that starts at the ending. Um, so you'll, that, that'll make sense in just a second. I'm going to read from ABC News. Body camera footage released in police shooting of woman who called 911 for alleged domestic incident. The Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department released body camera footage on Friday of a deputy-involved shooting of a 27-year-old woman after they entered her home responding to a domestic violence call that she made. Niani Finlayson was allegedly shot and killed in her home. I don't like that word allegedly because I saw her get shot. Um, allegedly shot and killed in her home in Lancaster, California, after an officer fired four shots at her on December 4th, the LASD said, she called the police because she claimed that her boyfriend would not leave her alone, according to an LASD statement. In the 911 call made by Finlayson for police to assist her, audio of which was released by LASD, Finlayson can be heard yelling for someone to get their hands off her. She told the dispatcher she needed assistance getting a man out of her home. Three deputies arrived on the scene. In the body camera footage, yelling could be heard coming from inside the apartment. After police tried to kick the door down, Finlayson answered the door and appeared to have a knife in one hand, according to the body camera footage. In the body camera video, Finlayson said, I'm going to stab him. Finlayson then disappeared off camera as she left the doorway and went back into her home. At this point, deputies had their guns drawn. Deputies followed Finlayson into the home where she proceeded to yell at who Hall says is her ex-boyfriend to leave. Finlayson's daughter could also be seen on camera saying, he pushed me, or he punched me. I think she said, he pushed me. Uh, Finlayson then grabbed the ale alleged estranged boyfriend with one hand as the knife was in her other hand. Deputy Ty Shelton then fired at Finlayson four times, causing her to drop to the ground. No, no, the alleged ex-boyfriend yelled at police after the shooting. Why did you shoot? Finlayson's daughter also witnessed the shooting. <clears throat> So, um, this video is up on our social media. It's at Civic Cypher. You're welcome to check that out. Um, I, there's a, there's a warning there. It says trigger warning. So you are going to witness a human being losing their life. Um, if you're sensitive to that type of content, like we both are here, Q hasn't seen this video yet, right? No, I saw a trigger warning. Yeah. I knew what was coming after that. So. Yeah, yeah. So we take turns. You know, we we talked about this, but um, if you are sensitive to that sort of thing, then uh, I don't blame you for not checking it out. We don't want anybody to be desensitized to what we consider to be anti-black violence. We don't want that to become normal. Um, and on this show, we show a lot of anti-black violence. Um, we have to process that. And if you're one such individual who does that as well, um, we're not mad at you, but for everyone else, again, it's there to check out. Uh, but I'm going to try to explain it for those who may not, uh, have seen it. So what, what happens is again, police are coming to a door. So the body camera footage picks up. And then, um, as, as the, the article mentions, there's yelling going on inside the house, um, as is typical with domestic disputes. Um, my understanding based on 
what I was seeing in the video is that um, Niani wanted her boyfriend to leave and he felt like he was going to stick around and plead his case of why he should be able to stay. Um, if I was guessing, the, the pushing the daughter thing was probably the result of a physical altercation between the two of them. Um, the man did not appear to be engaging in any sort of violent behavior. He was sitting down. He was, you know, whatever. But of course, this is where the video picks up. But you could very easily see that if a man was violent, pushing and punching kids and stuff, he's not going to stick around for the police, I don't think. You know, the man seemed to be reasonably coherent. And so um, this is this is just deduction. Um, but I feel like my powers of deduction uh, do not come with life and death, <laughs> you know, consequences yeah. and the police is due. And so if I'm able to deduce this, I would imagine that an officer would be able to deduce this as well because the stakes are a lot higher. You should be able to respond to this, but this is why I'm telling you this way. Anyway, so, um, the, the police start kicking in the door and the officer whose camera we're watching, this is the man who ended up shooting this woman. Um, he asked the officer in front, this is a female officer, he asked the female officer, hey, let me have your taser. She takes the taser out and hands it to him. Um, as they're trying to kick open the door, the female officer is trying to kick open the door, the body camera, uh, the officer with the body camera that we're seeing that ends up shooting this woman, um, he's watching the, the female officer kick the door in. Uh, the door doesn't get kicked in. And Niani ends up opening the door. Question. What's up? Do they attempt to knock on the door first or do they go <clears throat> right into trying to kick uh, the door I, down? I don't remember. I don't remember. But um, for the sake of argument, we'll say that they knocked first okay. or they announced their presence or something. We'll just we'll just say that. I'm not sure. I don't remember this part. But um, anyway, she opens the door. Niani opens the door and she's holding a knife. Right. And again. Immediately when I see this, my powers of deduction says, okay, she called the police. She grabbed this knife to protect herself from a man with testosterone and strength. Uh, she's protecting herself and her daughter and her home, perhaps, from this man who will not leave. Right? This is why she called the police in the first place. And she's agitated, and this is a tense situation. So she opens the door. She's like, yo, she's already mad. You know, imagine if somebody had pushed your daughter or harmed your child or whatever, you know, it's, it's a tense situation. You know, this is why officers in theory would come in and defuse situations or they would have experts on the scene. If that police budget was divested and in, in different areas were invested into that were more dedicated to dealing with, you know, diffusing situations, who knows, man. But anyway. At this point, the officer drops the taser and pulls out his gun because obviously it's time for somebody to die. Um, and then based on what I see, which is what he saw, Niani walks into the corner of the, the living room and then her boyfriend is on the other side of the living room. Right? And she's trying to tell the officers what he did. He did this, he did that, you know, whatever. And, and she has the knife. Let's say the knife's in her right hand. She's pointing at him with her left hand, right? 
And as she's agitated and explaining and shouting, like, this is what this man has done, the, the, the knife is not raised, it's lowered to her side, and she's pointing with her left hand. This is the way I remember it again. You're welcome to watch the video and draw your own conclusions, but she's kind of walking and motioning, and she's communicating not just with her words, but with her body, and she takes a step toward him. Again, he's super far away. The knife's not raised. It's not attack posture, nothing like that. But when she's like explaining and, you know, when you're walking and you're animated, just kind of making your point and she kind of like does a gesture and then immediately bam, 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 and she just falls. And that was the end of her story. So um, what I saw was uh, a woman calling the police for help and the police coming and killing her. She had done her best to protect herself up until that point. And those people are going to say, well, she had a knife. There's going to be people who say, well, um, she should have. Uh, oh, by the way, after he shot her, he said, drop the weapon. You can hear him saying, drop the weapon after he's, she's already fallen to the ground. Um, so anyway, there are people who say, well, she had a knife. What was the officer supposed to do? Um, the officers are there. They have to protect him, too. Nobody should be harmed, blah, blah, blah. Right. And these are arguments that people who, let's be honest, just want to protect the police. These are arguments that these people will make. Um, but any reasonable person would see that, that response and say, well, these people clearly did not show up to defuse anything. Well, at least this, this one officer did, they did not show up to defuse anything. Yeah, I mean, from what you described, it sounded, that's why I asked about them knocking on the door. Like the, even the article makes it seem like they arrived and then tried to kick the door down. Yeah. Yeah. So, so with that in mind, if they did not arrive there. To defuse anything that wasn't the first step that wasn't like hey whoa 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 hey everybody calm down you didn't hear anything like that certainly not from this officer as soon as that as soon as he walked in the house that taser was gone and a real gun was out now remember she has a knife okay um you can respond to like a, a knife with a gun a lot quicker than what am i trying to say um you can you have time it's not like she's pointing a gun at him and there's a split second. She's ha she has a knife, right? And these are things that, again, she opened the door with a knife. Before they walked in the house, they knew that's what she had. There was no gun. She said, this is why I got the knife. I'm going to stab him because he tried to push my daughter, blah, blah, blah. And sure, that you could make the argument that that's a reasonable threat. But also, you can make the argument that these officers are not trained to understand that in a tense moment like that, when people say things out of frustration or out of anger because they feel violated, and they've called you to help them, that people might say things, and these aren't in and of themselves credible threats. And they should not be treated as such, right? And a person like me looking at this with a degree of grace, understanding that this is a tense, this is not a murderous woman. She doesn't walk around all the time with knives talking about how she's going to stab people. There's something that happened that needs to be diffused. But officers, remember we always say uh, to, to a man with a hammer, all the world is a nail, right? Now, all that being said, remember I said I'm going to tell the story that starts backwards? So, even if a person wanted to make that argument, well, what was the officer supposed to do? On and on and on, right? This is the same officer that killed another black man in 2020. Got his job back, kept it pushing. Everything's cool. And now he's taking another black life. All right, so I'm going to read this story to you. 
This comes from the Daily Beast. I had to go back to June of 2020 to get this article. Deputies claim they killed the black man in his home when he tried to grab a gun. His family says otherwise. A Los Angeles man was fatally shot in his home by deputies Thursday morning in a tragic domestic dispute gone wrong. His family, however, insists the tragic incident could have been avoided if authorities didn't prematurely pull the trigger. Michael Blue Thomas, age 62, was killed in his living room in the early hours on Thursday after Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department deputies responded to a domestic dispute call, a spokesperson told the Daily Beast. But while authorities claim Thomas was shot after reaching for one of the deputy's guns, his fiance and attorney insist the opposite, that he was turning away. Quote, they broke the front down and they grabbed Mr. Thomas immediately. Bradley Gage, the family's attorney, told the Daily Beast on Friday. As they were holding him, they hurt him by twisting his arm. At that point, because he was uncomfortable, Mr. Thomas tried to move and one deputy just stepped back and shot him. He was murdered without justification. It was 100% avoidable. Now, because we're journalists, we have to say the other half of the story. According to the Sheriff's Department, deputies responded to a domestic, dis domestic violence in progress call. During the altercation, the suspect reached down and attempted to gain control of one of the deputy's firearms. It was at that time when a deputy-involved shooting occurred. Um, and now let's go back to the family. Uh, the claim that he reached for a gun is completely false, Gage added, noting that the incident completely defies the Fourth Amendment. Quote, he was disabled. He had problems with his hands. Remember, he's 62. Uh, he had problems with his hands. It would have been painful for him to try to grab a gun. Uh, now, when the shooting was first reported, Kimberly uh, also said that Thomas never tried to grab one of the deputy's guns. I heard Michael say, I have a right not to let you in the house, she said. Authorities said Thomas was taken to a local hospital where he was pronounced dead. No deputies were injured. Okay, so I've been doing some talking, Q. Give us insight into your mind. I am... Um Forgive me if I'm if my voice is low, because it's just it's really hard to have the necessary vocal inflection or vocal performance, if you will, um, when you're sick to your stomach about something. Mm. Literally sick to my stomach, yeah. and and having a hard time doing my job. Yeah. Um. If you're black in this country and afraid or in danger, you have to actively ask yourself in that moment, is this thing that I'm afraid of or the situation that has put me in danger going to kill me? Because if not, calling for help might. And that is an impossible position to have to be in. Right? And and the fear is very, very real. I, I, Ramses and I off air often struggle with the idea of what we do here. Right? Is there going to be fatigue from our listeners hearing about us being the victims? Because people will say we're playing the victim card or we're playing the race card or 
as if we would choose to be in this position so that we could feel this way and talk to you guys about it every week. We wish we didn't have a new story like this all the time, every week. And we have multiple, we can't, we don't have enough time or enough show to talk about all of the incidents that are like this real quick, real quick. We're not talking. We have to push to next week just because we don't have time. The woman who the officer left her on the floor of the police car upside down. We can't talk about uh, Claudine Gay. Um, we can't talk about. I mean, we have a, a whole inbox full of stories that we're not even getting to this week because we can't. Go ahead. Though. This woman was afraid. Mm -hmm. She made a decision to try to protect herself, but she called you for help. The idea that you show up and in this woman's story for what a lot of our detractors and the the you know officers perpetual defenders would call fear in front of her daughter so there's compound trauma that continues to affect we are always on edge at best afraid at worst every day it's the traffic light freeway you see a law enforcement agency vehicle and it changes the way that you're it changes your heart rate mm -hmm. it changes the way that you drive it changes your body temperature constantly every day because a simple interaction with law enforcement when you look like us can render you deceased Real quick, I want to jump in right here too. For people that feel like blaming this woman, this black woman, right? Imagine the same scenario. You know what I'm going to say, Q? But imagine the same scenario with, let's call her a 27-year-old, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white woman. Does she get shot and die? Especially in, in if mind? the man who was in the apartment sitting fits the same description. That's important yeah, to point out. Man, black police man officers arrive and her black boyfriend has her wielding a knife to protect herself and her child. Do they kill her? And we pause as if it's a rhetorical question, but it's not. Because you know, we the, know the actual outcome. And you know the answer too. And that's not a victim mentality. And nor, nor do we lean into that. All of this stuff is, we, we tell stories that data support. Data supports this narrative. It's not just these stories and us cherry picking things. So uh, we're going to keep following this story um, and we'll let you know what we find.